In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. You can be the most magnum guy in the room, and life comes at you sometimes in a way where you're paralyzed at times in your life. And I'm not saying this is weakness. Don't hear me, guys. I'm saying sometimes life hits you hard and knocks you down. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena, welcome to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This episode is a unique episode with Jim Ramos speaking to the men of Mattoon, Illinois. If you would like Jim to speak at your next event, contact us at meninthearena.org. Unfortunately, due to the fact that Jim has been overwhelmingly pursued for events this year, he is booked out until the fall of next year. Plan early and contact us today. Again, the website is meninthearena.org. Enjoy this episode. I love this part of the country. First of all, I want to say thanks to Tom Gensler. He is the, you know how you know their names? Gensler. He's the good looking one. And Cheshire is the old, not so good looking one, but he's a good looking one. I think I just broke a man law. I was in the bathroom videoing your bathroom. I'll tell you what, I want to go to a church with a bathroom like that. It's like a man cave in a bathroom. How can you ever come out and want to be on the part of the worship? It's just amazing. I'll tell you, you know, I was the guy sitting over here this, this morning. I'm like that good-looking eighth-grade girl that nobody wants to talk about. They just want to ignore the beautiful girl. Why don't you just come talk to me? I won't bite you guys. So anyway, um, hey, I want to let you guys know something. I have done probably uh, close to 20 Iron Sharpens Iron conferences. And I, I've, I say this, I've said it multiple times, and I'm telling you right now, Terre Haute is my favorite They're, by far. In fact, this year, so, my, so this year I was looking at, okay, where do I want to my calendar was filling up, and I think I emailed Tom. And I said, Tom, I really want to come to one of your guys' conferences. They do four conferences, Champaign, O'Fallon, Terre Haute, and Springfield. I said, I really want to come to one. He goes, well, we're all booked. You, you, you know, it's, we, we've been booked. You, you kind of reached out too late. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I'll make a way to get you to one of these. I go, I want to go to Terre Haute. So I came this year, and I love that church. And you guys, the men of Mattoon, you guys know you're kind of epic. You're famous. You're kind of epic in Terre Haute, that ISI, right? I mean, you guys took the sword home one year. I mean, you guys are known as a man church. And I'll tell you, that's the highest calling that you could ever have is to be known as a man church. So I'm just super, super impressed. I am really, hey, I want to tell you, somebody was asking about like social media and what, what, what's going on. Our ministry is starting to really explode. And I want to tell you right now, off the top, just out of the start here, 
If you go to our website, it's being rebuilt. We're going to have a brand new website in about a month. But if you go to our website, the first thing you see is a free offer for our PDF version of my bathroom book for men. So you can go inside of there with your iPad and read it in the bathroom. And several of you guys have come up to me and you already have the bathroom book, right? So go on there and get a free version of our, a free PDF of our bathroom book. It will add you to our weekly equipping blast. And that thing, what we do is we send out a weekly blog. Uh, we send out both of our podcasts. We have the Men in the Arena podcast. We have a bunch of stuff just to equip men. And there's nothing in there to market our ministry. We believe that men in the arena, that you are the MVPs. The men in the arena as an organization is not the MVP. The Iron Sharpens Iron Conferences are not MVP. RPMM. There's two M's, right? They are not the MVPs. The MVPs are you guys. When you decide whether you're like 12 or 10 years old or whether you're 92, when you get in the arena, you change things. When a man gets it, everyone wins. And so you are the MVP. So everything we do in our ministry is to say that you are the MVP and we want to partner with you guys. And I'm just really excited to be here today. I I don't know if we have, did, did the PowerPoint stuff ever show up? Okay, sweet. I got to tell you a story. So this weekend, I, if I was in the city, maybe this wouldn't work out so good in Chicago. But here this is going to work out good. So last weekend I took my two oldest boys and I was able to kill my first Tom with a bow. Super excited about that. 35 yards. And my middle son and I both killed turkeys. And in Oregon you can get three turkeys. So I killed another son. The next day I killed another turkey with my son James. So my middle son Darby is going to be coming up here next. A couple years ago, I'm afraid of the water. I don't, I'm not a swimmer, but I put a snorkel on one day and fins, to, and I became like a Navy SEAL, man. So what do you do when you're afraid of the water? Well, you get scuba certified, right? So we decided to get scuba certified. My wife ended up getting scuba certified, but my son Darby and I got scuba certified first. We went into, he's the real, real skinny one, and I'm the one that takes up the rest of the picture. We went up to the Puget Sound in Washington while it was snowing on New Year's Day and got certified in 15, in 44 degree weather. Now I've got plenty of blubber to keep me warm. My poor kid went hypothermic. Our last of three dives in the day, he couldn't stop shaking. We're like, just get her done, baby. And they were like, the conditions are epic. You can see 10 feet. I'm like, this is like, that's like diving in the Mississippi or the, what's the other one over here, the W? The Wabash, yeah. I'm like, but we got certified. And I, here's, here's the funny thing about getting scuba certified. I learned two things. They teach you two things. Anybody else here scuba certified? Okay. The two most important rules in scuba certification that they taught me. I don't know how they do it here. Number one, never stop. Yeah, isn't that funny? What do you think I'm going to do? Never stop breathing. Duh. Never stop breathing. And the number two rule, they said, never dive alone. In other words, always have a diving buddy with you. And I'm, I'm a high-strung, high-stress kind of guy. And my middle son, Darby, he's the only one in our family that's calm. He's the only introvert in our family that's calm. In fact, he says, you are all such noisy people. Don't be offended because I'm a quiet person. So I love being around him. So when I'm 60 feet underwater and wanting to panic, he's like the calm guy. It's so good to have a diving buddy. And I'll tell you what, you guys, it's so cool to have a guy in your life or have a few guys in your, in your life who are guys that have your back. Now, I got to tell you something. I need to warn you, and, the, and tomorrow I'll be speaking here. I'm a pastor, but I do not have a church. I committed to the Lord that I will only speak to men about men issues. So tomorrow, Brad's like, just please be nice to the ladies. I'm like, because I only speak to men. 
So a lot of pastors will come and speak to men that are kind of generic or vanilla messages. They gave their church the Sunday before. Not me. I only speak to men, and I only speak about man stuff. That's a promise I made to the Lord. So you need to realize when I'm talking to you guys, women don't hear this stuff. This is a man thing. We need to have guys in our life who have our back, who have our six. We, even if it's two or three or four men, we need men in our lives. I call these guys men on the roof. They are a handful of men who have the guts to call us into areas we may never go into. We maybe shrink back from those areas. They have the guts to call us out of things that are weakening us or slowing us down. And they have the guts to call us up to the best version of ourselves. I know David Mast here, a friend of mine, showed up with his sons. How cool to have a dad who's one of your men on the roof. How, you know how rare you are in this world? How cool is that to have your dad here and you were in the seminar with me. You have another kid, an older boy, right? Wasn't that you? Yes. Okay, well, you guys are all sitting. That's right, that's right. I mean, how cool to have men on the roof who have our back. And so before we get into this morning, I, just, uh, I really love Brad's uh, comments earlier. And so I, just, I just really believe that it's not about Jim Ramos. I actually am going to pray right now that you guys forget who I am. I do not matter in this equation at all. I'm not a rock star. I don't want to be famous. Leave me alone at like that pretty eighth grade girl alone at the table. Don't ever talk to me again. It's all about what God does in your life. I don't want, so let me just pray this morning. Lord, we just come before you. Lord, we know you're calling. And uh, God, we just pray that you would move me out of the way. Uh, God, I am ready. I'm rocking and rolling and I'm pumped to bring my A game. I've prepared well. I've prayed hard. have thousands of people praying for this morning, but God... At the end of the day, I pray that you would be the one who is famous, that you would be the one put on display, that I would be forgotten, that my words would be forgotten, that only what you speak this morning would resonate in the hearts of these men. And God, each man walks in the door, different ages, different issues, different things going on, different challenges. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you reach each man right where he is. You would give him exactly what he needs in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look in Mark chapter 2 this morning. Verses 1 through 5. And the scene takes place in Capernaum. Capernaum is near the Sea of Galilee. This is what was known as Jesus' home base of operations. So Jesus would go and travel and do his thing, and he would always kind of go back to Capernaum. The scene play, takes place at a house that we learn it's a house Jesus lived. We know, we know Jesus didn't own a home, but this is a house that Jesus stayed in. Probably somebody he knew who had wealth had invited him to stay there when he was for his home base. Now, the homes in ancient Palestine were, were little kind of boxy, one-bedroom rooms mostly. And, but, but here's the problem. Because of the heat and the Palestinian summers and different things, and the homes were so small, what they would do is they would go outside and they would build a ladder that would go up to the top to a flat roof. Now, around that flat roof was a guardrail, which is another message, or they also called that a paraffet. In Deuteronomy 22, verse 8, there's a law about these walls and how to build these walls. So there's a flat roof with a wall, okay? So basically what happened is during the summertime, you would go up there and hang out with your buddies, you'd grill, and you'd hang out as an ancient man cave. If you were just your average, everyday Palestinian, your, your roof was made out of dirt and, and grass would kind of grow up, kind of type of thing, kind of like some of these fields out here right now that have them at disc because it's so wet you can't plant the corn yet, and you'd have grass growing around. If you were really wealthy, the, the roof would be made out of tile. And so the, the roof of this particular house, we know from Luke chapter 5, was made out of tile. So this guy had some money, right? And it was just a place to go and hang out with your buddies, all right? So this is where the scene takes place. In verse 1, let's look at verse 1 this morning. Hopefully you're there, because I don't know if I have the... Oh, I do have verses. Usually I don't let you guys look at the verses. I make you use your own Bibles, because a man should know the word better than anybody in his family. 
In verse 1 we read this, And when he returned to Capernaum, this is his home base, after some days it was reported that he was at home, which is what I just told you, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Now I want you to listen up. This is really critical. We're talking about having diving buddies. We're talking about men who have our back. We're talking about men who are on the roof with us in our lives, who are those chosen few men who call us in, who call us out, and who call us up. Men on the roof love God and his word more than me. The men who are in my inner circle, which is a problem with a lot of Christian men. A lot of Christian men, their inner circle guys aren't even Christian men. As a Christian man, I need a group of godly men in my life who love the word of God more than me. Now, this is an interesting story. In Luke chapter 5, we, we, Luke implies that they brought their buddy to Jesus to have healing happen. But Mark does not record that. In fact, Mark records they brought their buddy to hear the word of God, and Jesus didn't even heal the guy immediately. If you remember the story, Jesus actually forgave him first. So when you read the book of Mark, chapter 2, Mark strongly implies that the purpose of the visit for their buddy was that these, this, their buddy, they wanted to get their buddy who couldn't walk, who was in a stretcher, they wanted to get him to Jesus to hear Jesus preach the truth. And my men on the roof have the, this is critical, because we live in the church that we have gutless men sometimes. My men on the roof have the guts to call me in, to call me out, and to call me up. They have the guts to wound me with the truth in love. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And then Proverbs 27, 17 says what? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Why do these friends lower him to Jesus? I don't think it was for healing. I propose to you, it was for hearing. They wanted to get their buddy, think about it, in this day and age, if your buddy was wounded, you know, like injured, and you heard a great preacher came to town, you want him to hear the preacher. And I believe this is what happened here. This is just my theory. Remember, these, these I got to tell you a story. So I have this podcast called The Men in the Arena. This podcast is blowing up. We, we are, it, it's, we started it two years ago. We've had men listen to it in 50 countries around the world. We have thousands of every month listening to this podcast. It's blown up. I decided, and we have an interview uh, episode where we interview experts or specialists in the field of manhood. Tom Gensler was actually on our show as an expert. We just had Jason Karampatsos come on, who was a guy that you, I met through your Terre Haute event. And we do an equipping format, which is a 10-minute equipping where I talk to men about different manhood issues. Well, I decided to do an equipping episode, which was called Our Avatar which is kind of like, who is the guy that we're targeting? Who is the guy that really relates to us? And honestly, our target audience is a guy like from Mattoon. He's, a, he's, a, he's an educated, intelligent, uh, upper or middle class, hardworking American man in the stress bubble of life. He's a Christian guy. He's, he's allergic to cats and Priuses and hybrids. You know what I mean? He's not a tree hugger. He's a tree cutter. He's a log cat. That's kind of our guy. That's kind of our guy. And so I'm doing this podcast saying, hey, if, you're a, you know, if you believe this, then you're out. Of, and I'm just kind of having fun saying, you know, here's who we want, here's who we don't want. I'm having fun. I mean, I, I knew something was wrong because I was getting so excited about saying such horrible things to people. So I, now we, we, we record these, and about a month later, we release them. So I go home. Now my producer is one of my, it works for me. A lot of you guys have met Dale. He's, he's my right-hand man. 
been with me for 15 years. And my recording guy is a guy named Pat George, who's my board member. And his board role from 1 Kings 4 5 is to be my friend. So Solomon, when Solomon chose his cabinet, he had a guy who represented him as a friend. So Pat's whole role on our board is to make sure that I don't, I don't blow up my ego, I walk in humility, I'm not a bondage of sin, and every six months he gives a report to our board about how Ramos is doing, right? Because I want, he's, his job is to keep me in the game, not doing anything stupid. That's his whole purpose on the board, that's all he does. We meet every Tuesday morning, and I tell him, you know, he asks, I go, ask me about lust, ask me about money, ask me about critical spirit, ask me, so he does these things. So I walked in the house, and about 24 hours, I called, called both these guys. I sent them a text. I said, guys, I, I don't feel good about this podcast. The Holy Spirit is convicting me that I'm excluding a lot of men who we want. We want every man. I don't care where you live. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of pet that you have. I don't care what kind of president you voted for. We want every man in the arena. We want every man who follows Jesus to be part of our movement. And I said, I think I just excluded a lot of men in that, that podcast. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, don't release it. And you know what they both said to me? Yeah, we agree. We don't think, we don't, I don't, we don't, individually they said, we, I think that was a bad idea. I don't think you should release it. So now we got another problem on our hands. So my confession turned into a confrontation, Tom. And I said, hey, I said, hey guys, isn't your job to watch my back? Well, yeah. I go, why are you going to let me hang myself? Oh, well, well, I go, hold, hold on, stop. I said, guys, listen. I, I'm, guys like me are hard-charging guys. We tend to be, have ego problems. We tend to say things and don't care if people get hurt, right? I mean, guys like me tend to have issues with ego. I said, the last thing I need in my life, guys, is guys that are weak sauce cowards. I need men who have the guts to call me out. If not, you're, 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 you're my enemy. So what is it going to be? And so my confession to them turned into repentance on their part. <laughs> because, guys, you need to realize, a man who says he's on my roof, who doesn't have the guts to call me in, to call me up, and to call me out, is a coward and an enemy. A lot of you guys are here from CR. You don't need that person going, hey, you're okay in your addiction, bro. I mean, keep on masturbating. Keep on using alcohol every day of the week. Keep on using drugs. Keep on being toxic. You need guys to lovingly go, dude, you're a jackass. Let me walk with you. Sorry about the language of the young guys. The women get really mad. The young boys go, Daddy, what is a jackass? Well, it's a donkey in the King James Version. <laughs> but we need men in our lives who have the guts to call. Sorry about that, buddy. Did your dad have to tell you what that meant? Sorry about that. Sorry. We're in a church and he's like, Dad, that's a PG-13 word. I need men in my life. You need men on your roof who have the guts to say, wait, what does that shirt say in the back? Something about Jesus, God in the morning? Well, then you better start acting like it today in the afternoon, too. I saw you can do it just because you do it in the morning doesn't mean you do it in the afternoon. Guys, we need to have men on our roof who have the guts to call us in, to call us up, and to call us out. Do your men on the roof have the guts to make sure you hear the truth, the truth of the Word of God? Do they love you enough to confront the lies that you're tempted to believe? Or do they sit idly by as you ruin your life. What kind of dad would your dad be if he said, oh, do whatever you want, boys. Never going to be grounded in my household. That's a Disneyland dad. Send that boy back to hell where he belongs. You don't have that dad, right? That's a good dad. Do you sit, how about you, man? Do you sit passively by as those you care about suffer through consequences of sin, 
of their choosing while you sat silently by watching them, what kind of friend are you? At best, you're a coward. At worst, you're an enemy. Men on the roof love the word of God more than they love me. It's tough to be a man on the roof. I only have three or four. I pray for a man on the roof. I pray for my four men every day. One man lives in Hawaii. One man lives in eastern Oregon. Two guys live locally. I told the two guys my story. They're both my men on the roof. They're better now. They're meaner. Tougher. Men on the roof love the word of God more than they love me. But who are these mysterious men on the roof? Who are these guys? Let's look at verse 3. Look at this. Look at this. It says, it says, and, and, so, and they came. Now, in Luke, uh, Luke 5.18, the Bible says, and some came. So, do you understand what I'm saying here? They came, right? Look. <clears throat> they came bringing him a paralytic. This is important, guys. Carried by four. How many carried him? How many brought him? Oh, oh, oh. What's the Bible say? How many carried him? How many brought him? Yes. Super important. Super important. Here's what I want to tell you about my men on the roof. There were more than four men in this story. Luke and Mark are very careful to tell us that some men came carried by four. My men on the roof, here's the funny part. My men on the roof, not all of them are actually on the roof. Trust me, you don't want to put me and Brad and Robert on a roof. We will cave that sucker in. Somebody had to block through the crowd. I'm your man. Somebody had to lift their buddy up. This is not, this is awkward. You put a 200-pound man on there, 150-pound, that's awkward. Somebody had to get up on the roof. Somebody had to lift them up. Somebody, who were the little Weasley friends who dug the hole and took the tiles away? Who caught the man at the bottom? Think about this. There's no way, anybody ever drag a buck? I know you whitetail hunters, you quad a buck. Anybody actually drag a buck anymore? Anybody actually pack a buck out? A dead animal is hard to get out of the hills. Now, these are barely hills, but to carry a man, four guys is, a, is tough to carry a man, these awkward, biped, homo sapiens, but to get him on a roof safely, to lower him down through a hole and to catch him, he has balcony seating in front of Jesus now, right? I want to propose to you that more than four men were on the roof. Okay, did I make a good case so far? This is not a parable, guys. This is an actual historical event that happened. And these men brought their buddy to Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you about my men on the roof. My men on the roof fill various roles and dig various holes, haha, <laughs> get it, teaching time, in my life. We are compartmentalized. You know that, right? Like when your wife comes home and she says, hey, honey, what, what are you thinking about? And you say, nothing. What does that mean? Nothing. But now your wife comes home and you say, honey, what are you thinking about? And she says, nothing. What happens? You run to the bedroom, boys. Because everything is going on there. Men, we are masters of focus, but the problem with us as men is we tend to compartmentalize, right? We go to Sunday worship, oh, Sunday was great. Well, Monday, now it's work mode. Get home from work, now it's couch mode. Now it's 
turkey season mode. We have all these compartments in our life. And what the Bible is teaching us here today is this. I need men in my roof that in every role in my life, in my compartments, I have a man with watching overwatch all my life. That there's somebody in my life who says, hey, listen, Ramos. Yeah, you were great on church on Sunday, but, you know, I noticed in the airplane on the way home, you were really mean to that flight attendant. Now, my wife's a flight attendant. That's why I come to these events. I can fly for free. So I can go, I'm like, I'm cheap and easy. Get out here cheap and easy for you. But I want to be kind wherever I go. I want to be a Christian 24-7, right? And so I want men on the roof in every hole, in every role in my life, every compartment of my life, guys. So my question to you is, who is you keeping you accountable at your work? Who is keeping you accountable at your house? Who is keeping you accountable about your hobbies? These are things that are important. It's an honor to be listed as a man on the roof, and I need men on the roof not just to carry the stretcher when needed. I need men on the roof to fill the various roles in my life, to keep me accountable in every area. So I do not have any unswept corners. Look at verse 4. I'll tell you what, guys. It's an honor to be listed as a man on the roof. But there's a commitment level that comes with this. This is why most men only have three or four max. Because there's a deep commitment. This is not for everybody. In fact, some of you guys don't even have a man on the roof. You're, you don't, don't have one right now. You're sitting here going, I cannot think of one man on my roof. But it's so important because there's a deep level of commitment. Look at verse 4. Here's the commitment level we see. And, and when they could not get near him, that's Jesus, because of the crowd... Watch what happens next. It's amazing. They removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. I wonder where they stopped. Do you ever wonder about that? I wonder what Jesus kind of go, God, what the heck is going on here? Wouldn't it be funny if a tile fell down and hit him and, the, you know, just heal himself? But no big deal. But, I mean, you know, so these guys, here, here's what I want to tell you guys this. Not only do these men love the word of God more than they love me. Not only do they fill different roles and different holes in my life, but they are committed to getting me closer to Jesus. When it comes to Jesus, they find a way, they break away, and they make a way. We sang a song just similar to that today. There's another song that I hear at ISI all the time talking about Jesus, how he does that for us. Men on the roof will let nothing get in the way of me becoming my best version in Jesus. That's why you need to have Christian men in your life who are committed. I'm spitting a lot this morning. I don't know what that is. Anyway, uh, who are committed to you becoming your best version in Jesus. Even if I'm comatose with grief, derailed by divorce, paralyzed by the past, stalemated by sin or frozen in fear, they carry me onward, upward, and inward to Christ Jesus our Lord. They are committed to me. And they have the guts to take care of business. I'm going to tell you something. These guys in my life are not nice guys. They are not nice, but they are good. Sometimes we get a little bit too nice in church and we're afraid to, I remember you, and we're afraid to say things that are good things that need to be said. We're afraid that our friends will go, oh, he's not nice. You don't need nice men on the roof. I'm going to tell you something, guys. Your wife is on the roof. Did you know that? She's on the roof. Sometimes they can't be very nice. My wife can be mean. But I thank God that she's on the roof. I thank God for that. 
This is the house Jesus lived. I got to tell you something, guys. Here's what I want to tell you about these men on the roof and their commitment level to me. I need men on the roof who are committed because life can be brutal. Life can be brutal. I can wake up tomorrow. I, had a, I, had, I paid thousands of dollars two months ago for a heart stress test. I flunked both of them. The doctor said I'll live a long life, but my heart, I'm funny. My heart rate is funny. My wife was in Kabul. You're not leaving me, are you, bro? Too much buffet. Okay, you better hurry then. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> My wife had an emergency surgery in Cabo San Lucas here in Mexico. And they had a seven-inch cyst removed her, off her ovary. It was twisted around her ovary. Twisted around her cyst, his, her cyst that was twisted around her ovary. So being from the 80s, I named it Twisted Sister. <laughs> you know how fast I got down there at Cabo? Fast. Life comes at you hard and fast, and it's painful sometimes. We live in Oregon. I live in Oregon. Not, not, I don't live in Portland, Illinois. I live in Portland, Oregon. We have two seasons in Oregon. Rain and construction. So for us, we have to get creative about working out, right? So I, I have this heart rate monitor, and I put this on whenever I work out, and it's like a social media deal. It goes out to hundreds of people. And I go twice a week, I go to this thing called spin class. You get on a bike, and you pedal really hard with about 20 other people for, for about an hour, and, and I've taken this class for five years now, and I've never gone an inch, except one time I spit my gum out. I never did find that piece of gum. But it's really crazy. It's, there's, a, there's a futility when I go to spin class in knowing that I'm not going to get anywhere. And as a man, quite frankly, it drives me crazy. I feel like I'm the hamster on the wheel, just going nowhere with some young gal going, faster, faster, shut up. Going nowhere. And one of the things I've realized is there may be guys like that in this room right now. Where life has hit you, life has sucker punched you. And man, you're going, man, I, I feel like that guy. I, I feel like this guy in the story. Like I'm the guy right here. That I've been I'm paralyzed right now. I'm wounded. I did the, I spoke at Iron Sharpens Iron in Jacksonville, Florida. No, 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 no. Albany, New York, a thousand guys. And the head of Iron Sharpens Iron, the founder, Brian Doyle, stood up at the end and said, I'm that guy right now. A year ago, his wife, the anniversary was we were in Terre Haute. His wife died of cancer. He's like, man, I'm just, every, you, know, you can be the most magnum guy in the room, and life comes at you sometimes in a way where you're paralyzed at times in your life. And I'm not saying this is weakness. Don't hear me, guys. I'm saying sometimes life hits you hard and knocks you down. And some of you are here today, and if you're really honest, you've been knocked down. And I'm not here to condemn you, because that is how life works sometimes. But when we get knocked down, what we need is we don't need to be laying here alone. We need men who have the guts and have the strength to carry us closer to Jesus. Because it's in those dark times in our life, guys, where we're either going to run to Jesus or we're going to run away from Jesus. Many of you are here today because in your darkness you ran to him. And there are many who are not here because in their darkness they ran away from him. And I need men on the roof who say to me, Whoa, boy, tie a rope, get back over here. We serve Jesus together. We are in this together. I've got you, bro. I've got you, bro. And that's what men on the roof do for me. When I'm on the hamster wheel of life, those guys are with me 
calling me inward to Jesus, upward to Jesus, and outward to Jesus. I'm going to tell you something, guys. I'm, I'm almost done here. What happens next is mind-blowing. If you're following me in the Scripture here, what happens next is mind-blowing. Look at verse 5. To me, when I read this, it went against a lot of theologies. A lot of churches would go, whoa, you're making me uncomfortable, Ramos. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Whoa, whoa, what? Did you see it? Did you guys see it? When Jesus saw their faith, their faith. Have you heard people say, hey, if you just had more faith, brother, that's garbage talk. It's not about their faith. It's not about the paralytic's faith at all. Do you know the paralytic is anonymous in this story? He's unnamed. He's unknown. He never speaks. The only thing the paralytic brought to the table is his brokenness and his willingness. I propose to you this. I get a little fired up. Sorry, guys. I propose to you this story is not about the paralytic. It's about the men on the roof. Jesus applauded those guys. Because of your faith, you are forgiven. Because of your faith, your bro is going to get up and walk again. And he's going to walk into the turkey blind with you again. And he's going to go run around and play flag football with you. And nobody's looking. We're going to tackle up that. That's what boys do. That's what he's going to do. I'm going to heal your buddy because of you. Their faith calls me in when I refuse to follow Jesus. Their faith calls me, in to, uh, calls me up to my best version of myself. Their faith calls me out when I refuse to obey the hard truths in the word of God. I'm going to tell you something, guys, this morning. This I'm going to tell you something. You are only as good this morning as your men on the roof. Do you know that? Now I know people are in here going, oh, it's all, all I need is Jesus. If that were true, then that's all Jesus would have told you to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But he didn't say that. And love your neighbor as yourself. We need each other. We need our men on the roof. Their faith elevates me. Their faith changes me. Some of you guys, if I'm really honest with you this morning, you've got to find new friends. Those high school buddies that don't love Jesus, they aren't serving you well anymore that you're a big boy. You put on, you got rid of your Superman underwear. Or Superman wears Chuck Norris underwear. It's time now for you to put on your big boy underwear, your camo briefs, and to run with the big dogs. And, you, and I'm not saying dump your friends. I'm saying you need to find friends that are better. You need to find friends who will carry you when you're paralyzed, who will pick you up when you're down, who will lift you closer to Jesus. We just need to have better people in our lives, guys. The problem with men is we're isolated. We can't be isolated. We really, really do need each other. Here's the problem, guys. <laughs> that was not a fart. <laughs> Don't do that in front of your mother. The problem, guys, is this. This is pretty comfortable. I'm not going to lie. My shoulders are rough, but this is not bad. We can get used to this. I can lay out in the sun this way. I can get tan on both sides, not here during this time of year. I can take a nap. I can practice shooting my bow into the ceiling when my wife's not there. Just don't hit a stud. That stretcher can be pretty comfortable. And we need men on the roof to help us get out of it by their faith.
And guys, I want to tell you this. It doesn't matter what has knocked you down today. What matters is today is your day to get up again. What matters is today is your day to say this is the day I will, you may be here today because somebody you love invited you and prays for you and cares for you and their faith has brought you here. And today their faith is going to save you. Their faith is going to heal you. Their faith is going to change you. So I, I came out here from Portland, Oregon, guys. South of Portland. And I, it'd be, I'd be doing you guys damage if I just walked out of here today in and there. So I want to do something different today. Here's what I want to do. If you resonate today with that guy, that guy. And you're like, man, I've had, an ex- I've had some life experiences recently that have knocked me down. Or I've got some bondages that are really holding me back. Or I don't believe in Jesus at all, but I had a friend who has faith who brought me here. I'm going to ask you to do something because this, this is where men hang out. Males are not welcome here. Men are welcome here. If you're that guy today and you're saying, man, I, man, I, heart is beating right now. My sweats, are, my palms are sweaty. I feel like God is speaking right now. There may be only two of you in this room. I don't care. Three, five, I don't care. But if you are right now, you really resonate with that hamster wheel. You really resonate with this guy. And you're saying, I need some men on the roof who will put their hands on me this morning and pray a blessing and pray over me. There are 125, 120 men in this room this morning. And so I'm going to ask, here's what I'm going to ask. I want these, these 100 plus guys who, these guys that don't stand will pray for those of you who do. So that every man will experience what it's like to have men on the roof in their life. So my question to you, I do not know you men of Mattoon, men of Indiana, men of Illinois. I don't know you, but I will ask you this. If you resonate with that guy, I want you this morning to have the courage to stand up where you are and say, I want some guys to pray for me. Stand up where you are. Right there. Right there. Okay, way too many guys stand up. Stop. Okay, I'm just kidding. How many more? Anybody else? You resonate with this guy right here. Okay, look around the room, men. That's, that's awesome. That's huge. Now, I want every man in this room who is standing to have at least one man with his hand on him right now. So get up and go to that guy. Everybody get up and go to some men right now. No man left behind. No man stretcherless with no one to carry him. And if you, now right now it's getting cloudy. If you don't have a guy to pray for you, raise your hand to me so I can see you. Anybody doesn't have a man to pray? Back in the back, the cameraman needs somebody to pray with him. Back in the back, the camera guy. Anybody else needs somebody to pray with him? Hey, guys, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just close in prayer, and I'm just going to walk away. It's not about me. It's about God. I'm going to let you guys pray for your brothers, and then when I'm done, I'm going to have Pastor Brad or Pastor Matt will come up and close us. Father, thank you for this morning. You are the God that calls the men on the stretcher to get up and walk. You are the God that heals us and changes us because of the faith of others around us. Sometimes we don't even have the faith. The paralytic didn't even have faith, yet the faith of others healed him. Sometimes we're in the hamster wheel going nowhere. Sometimes we feel beat down and broken and we just need brothers to lift us up. And so God, I'm just going to get out of the way and let our brothers, let these men on the roof minister to their friend. Thank you for this morning, God. You are the God of gods. You are the King of kings. You are the healer. You are the God who calls us to get up and walk. Amen. Men in the Arena is a non-profit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.